Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Food Network Obsessed, where we dish on all things Food Network. As always, I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and I'm super excited about this week's guest. I feel like I always say that, but we have great guests, so what can I say? Uh, She is a Golden Globe winning actress, an Emmy Award winning host, spokesperson, entrepreneur, and a New York Times bestselling author. On top of all of that, she's got her own cooking show and is the host of Kids Baking Championship, both on Food Network. If you follow her on Instagram, you know her as Wolfie's mom. I'm, of course, talking about the always lovely Valerie Bertinelli. Valerie, welcome to the pod. We are so excited to have you as a guest. I'm excited because I was doing the research about you and your life for this interview. And I don't know, tell me if you feel this way, but I kind of feel like it's not just one life we're talking about. We've, we're talking about a lot of different lives. You have so many different layers uh, to your career, to your life. Um, is that an accurate assessment, I guess? <laughs> it's a great assessment. I have a feeling, I am a crazy cat lady. So I have a feeling I have got a bunch of lives like my cats do. Oh, and, yeah. and maybe that's what it is. I've never quite heard it put that way, though. I mean, as an actress, you never know when your next job is ever coming and you feel like your last job was your last job. So to to be able to do what I absolutely love to do that I've been doing since before I started acting and I started acting when I was 12. I've been cooking much longer than that. So this is this is kind of it, it, it feels a little bit like what I was meant to do. Acting always felt like fitting you know, a square peg into a round hole, but this feels really natural to me. Um, that that was an observation I had as well. Like the, the one constant I would say, you know, in reading about you and listening to different interviews is this connection to food. Um, so I'm curious mm-hmm. where that started and where that came from. That started from a very, very young age between my mother and my nonni and my aunt Adeline and aunt Norma and just going over to my aunt Adeline's house and going to their basement kitchen because if, if you're not Italian or maybe there's more than just Italians that do this, but usually in an old Italian family, you have the, the nice kitchen that's upstairs and then you have the basement kitchen where Oh, the magic happens. Like everything, <laughs> all of it happens. That's where the gnocchi gets made. That's where the capalettis get made. That's where you keep everything. That's where we had the big Italian Thanksgiving dinners or whatever, graduation, whatever it may be. And it was the biggest room in the house. So that's, I think that's probably why we did it down there. But I remember going down there because it was walking distance um, from my grandma's house. I keep going back and forth between grandma and noni. Uh-huh. I talked, I said both things when I was growing up, but, um, same person, I would the same person. <laughs> yes. And I would go over there and I would watch noni make, um, you know, capoletti and she would make the capoletti and fresh as she just made it, pop it into some beautiful brodo. And I would have capoletti and brodo right there while she was finishing up making all the capoletti. So it's still to this day, one of my favorite dishes ever. And not everybody gets it right because there's something magical about when you're, when your nonny makes it fresh and puts it in front of you. Uh, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm actually very hungry right now and you're making me more hungry. <laughs> so, um, I guess, thank you for that. I'm, I'm already thinking about what I'm going to eat when, uh, when I, when we get that done with this interview, but, um, so you, you talk about your noni and, and her making the capoletti. Um, what about your mom? Was she a good cook as well? Oh my goodness. My mom who happened to be English, Irish, married into this Italian family. And she was not welcome in the very beginning. I mean, my my noni really wanted my dad to marry a woman, 
that was down living on a farm and um, dad was having it another way. So <laughs> he married my mom. And I think my mom subconsciously or consciously, I never got a chance to ask her this, actually. She decided to become the best Italian cook you could be and compete with my noni and compete with my aunt Adeline and Aunt Norma. And I'm telling you, she made lasagna like nobody's business. She made a bolognese. She made a risotto. She... She was amazing. I mean, that kitchen, that little kitchen on South Avon Drive that we lived at in Delaware was her office. That's where she that's where she made everything. There was no microwave. I remember before there was even, you know, frozen dinners. I remember the first frozen dinner that came in our house. We all thought it was like, wow, this is so cool. Oh, my God, it's so interesting. (laughs) But, you know, really, it was just you know, mom's cooking. That's what she did morning, noon and night. She made breakfast for all of us before we went to school. She made our lunches the night before. And uh, by the time we came home from school, she was already uh, into making dinner. And I'm sure that you said you don't know if it was on purpose or not, but I'm sure that some had to have somewhat like endeared her to your Noni, who, who, like you said, didn't wasn't a fan of her at the beginning. But I mean, through Mm -hmm. food, did they kind of find that connection? Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, the magic of food and cooking. And it's true. The way to a um, not just a man's heart, everybody's heart, the way to everyone's heart is through their tummy. And I think that happened between my mom and um, my dad's family. Yeah. I mean, it, it really does connect to all of us. And it's it's the one common denominator that we can have across, you know, all cultures and, and different languages. If even if you don't speak the same language, we all speak that language of food. So I mm. think I think that was really smart on her on her behalf. Um, as, <laughs> as I mentioned, you, you've worn a lot of, of hats through your career, so to speak. Uh, obviously, the one that Food Network fans would be most familiar with is Valerie Bertinelli, Food Network host. And your first show on the network was Valerie's Home Cooking. And I'm curious how that show uh, came about, you know, from your acting career and then kind of transitioning into what we see on on Food Network now. Well, at the time, I had written a cookbook in 2012 and I wanted to take the idea of that cookbook and go to Italy and find my family and find all of my roots and try and try to find the, the roots of all of the cooking and why I love cooking so much. And so I went to Food Network and met with everybody there. And I said, I want to do the show and I want to go around Italy and I want to do this and I want to learn, you know, dishes from my family. And they're like, no, we don't really want to do that. But would you do an ITK? And I was like, I don't know what an ITK is. What's an ITK? <laughs> it's an in the kitchen, like like Giada does and mm-hmm. like Ina and like Pioneer Woman. I'm like, are you kidding? You would let me do that? <laughs> of course I'll do that. That sounds amazing. And here we are. Um, I don't know, six, seven years later, six years later. I don't, I'm going into season 12. We're going to start shooting season 12 in a couple of weeks. Amazing. By the way, I think you should maybe revisit this idea. I mean, I feel like Bobby and Giada just did it uh, for Discovery+. I Plus. know. Maybe I you can't wait like, to watch that show, by the way. Maybe you could be like season two. It could be uh, you going to Can Italy. I, Giada, please <laughs> take me to your Italy. I mean, I would love to go through Italy with, with Giada. And I would also still love to do that show because I got to do a show called Who Do You Think You Are? Oh, yeah. And they took me back to my roots in Italy. And also in um, in England, which I would also love to do and go back through my roots. And I don't think English food is given the um, the proper, you know, place that it, it needs to be, too. I mean, there's some really wonderful English food. Uh, it's not as good as Italian, I'm just saying, <laughs> as someone who was both. But I think there's something to be seen there. And I would still love to go back and do that because in Lanza Torinese, which is a little town right outside of Torino, I still have family there. 
None of them oh, speak wow. English. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> and 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 it was actually where um, the woman who I was named after lives. Oh. And she's no longer living, unfortunately, but her brother is still there. And I would just love to go back there and go back to where my great grandmother sold gelato on the streets of Lanzo Torrenese and maybe make gelato there or do something. <gasps> but I'm sure that one day when we get out there again, yeah, I would still like to do that show for Food Network. And didn't you, uh, speaking of who do you think you are, didn't you find out you have some, some royal blood as well? As, am I right? I did. I have like eight kings in my background. Wow. Going back to William the Conqueror. That's insane. It made my mom so happy to know <laughs> that she was a bit of royalty because she's just a girl from Jersey and her Jersey roots go all the way back to the 1600s. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, that's it, mom. You're a Jersey girl, but you do have kings in your background. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I've always been curious about that because my last name is Sire. So I feel like, Ooh. yeah. So I feel like maybe there's some, there's some royalty there. Be fun to look into. Absolutely. Uh, well, anyone who's worked on a Food Network show or, you know, even Food Network Kitchen, you know, we know the incredible team of culinary producers, food stylists, oh. all these people that work behind the scenes. They, they certainly have made my dishes look on another level. Um, have right. you picked up any like tip, tips or tricks or anything like that along the way in working with these talented people? Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, the first place that I always go is to the back kitchen when I'm doing <laughs> when I'm yeah they're so amazing and they're such a group of people and they're on every show like you see the same people but yes I've learned so many things from something as simple as don't crack an egg on the egg of a, edge of a pot or a glass but crack an egg on a flat surface so that you get less shells and like something as simple as that if you've never been on a show you don't realize how many people cooking at the same time. Mm. There's there's three kitchens going on on Valerie's Home Cooking. There's the garage kitchen that is cooking up all of the secondary dishes and the dishes that in case we have to swap. And then there's the kitchen in the back that Crystal is usually in charge of. And then there's the kitchen where I'm cooking. And we're all cooking at the same time because we have to have multiple dishes and we have to have dishes enough for, if I do have guests on that particular show, enough to feed everybody. But we're all cooking at the same time. There's a huge culinary crew that make the one person on camera look really, really good. There's no way that that show ever gets made alone like that I'm the least interesting part of my show <laughs> it, there's so many amazing people that know what they're doing uh, well I don't know about that but I, that, that's super interesting trust I, me <laughs> I, I didn't realize there's three kitchens I mean that's that's three pretty, kitchens that's pretty incredible uh, you mentioned kids baking championship definitely the the cutest show uh, on Food Network mm -hmm. and for anyone who listening right now who maybe hasn't seen it give us the basic premise of the show when it first started it was just like eight kids but now it's up to 13 kids they come in and uh, they show us their baking techniques, what they can and can't do. And um, usually it's there's no can't about it. They all can cook and bake amazingly. And they just they, they each episode, they play a certain game. There's certain risks involved. Sometimes they team up, sometimes they don't. And whatever comes out at the end of the show, they are all judged on it by me and Duff Goldman. And um, the one that doesn't cut it has to leave. And then the next week, there's one less baker until there's four bakers left and then a winner on that final show. 
Um, my number one question about about the show, and I'm sure you get this a lot. Um, how heartbreaking is it when you have to oh. send? Uh, I was going to say when you have to send one of them home, but actually when Duff has to send one of them home. Um, <laughs> yes. But I'm sure that it's was, still. That decision was made very, very early on in the. Um, did did in you the just say, like, I'm not year. doing it? I'm not doing it. I don't like, Duff, I can't do this. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. They're already crying. I'm not going to make a kid cry by sending them home. No. So, yes, Duff is the one. And he, he's he's so he's like my little baby brother he reminds me very much of my brother patrick and um he he's just he's such a good hearted sweet soul i'm so happy that he and john are having a baby because he's gonna be the best daddy in the world but he's so good with those kids and um he's so good at sending them home and he treats them like real people, you know, a lot like little kids. He doesn't coddle them and they, they so respect him because mm-hmm. they learn so much from him and he helps them all throughout. So, um, he is the one that can do it. He does it the best. I would, I would just be a puddle of <laughs> nothing, but you still have to be in the room. I mean, it still must be uh, really horrible. hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> horrible. I, I don't even know how many tears I've shed in the last six years watching uh, this happen. How impressed are you just with the the level of skill from some of these contestants? And because I watch the show, and um, I mean, admittedly, baking is like my my weaker skill. But I mean, these kids are doing things that I wouldn't even dream of doing. How impressive is that? Oh, it's amazing! Everything from when they make the patachu to make the eclairs or whatever they have to make, or the the puffs and or the crème anglaise and all of these things that they know the terms of already. I mean, I I sometimes I'll turn to Duff and I'll say, "What does that mean? What are they doing right now?" <laughs> I learned a lot, but I mean, they these kids are way beyond what I mean. I love baking, but it's so scientific that I get it wrong a lot and I'm learning to understand more about it. And that's the gift of being able to do the show with Duff, who knows everything and anything there is to know about baking and the kids and watching the kids and watching them make mistakes, but but overcome those mistakes. And that's what's really fun to watch for me, because they just keep going until they get to the other side and they're oh my god they're all so cute they are so cute and, and inspiring too like you said they, they they just keep at it until they they can get it right i mean would you have been able to compete on a show like that at, oh at hell the, no very, I, <laughs> no and i i mean i've been asked to do chopped or different you know special versions you know and i'm like mm-hmm. i'm not no i'll be happy to be a judge but there's no way and it's mainly because i don't have time management the clock will get me every single time. I mean, I'm I'm kind of gotten more secure with my skills, but um, no, the time management will always, always <laughs> get me and I'll lose. I, I'm with <laughs> you on I'm that. I'm a terrible loser, so I don't want to play. <laughs> I, I'm with you on both counts. I'm very competitive and I also just like to take my time in there. I like to, I, I actually enjoy right? my kitchen time, so I, I don't like to be rushed. Um, so I, I'm with you on that. Um, yeah. So these, some of these tasks that they're given obviously are not necessarily, I mean, sometimes they are just as hard, I feel like, as, as the adults. Yeah. How does the show and the producers kind of tailor it in a way that, that is challenging for these kids, but still very attainable. Well, that's Les, our um, executive producer and all the Food Network people that put it that she is constantly talking to them and putting, you know, games in front of the Food Network staff. And um, between them and between Les, they come up with all of these amazing games. I don't know how they do it. I honestly don't. And every year they seem to come up with more and more. And we've never, except for Dessert Imposters, we've never played the same game twice. And even Dessert Imposters, we have to keep changing that 
because the kids look forward to dessert imposters for sure. Yeah, the creativity is definitely impressive. Um, and and another thing that I love seeing is just how the kids are so willing to kind of jump in and, and help out if they see one of their competitors struggling. I don't think that you would see that on like the adult version of that show or that competition. I mean, how sweet is that and heartwarming when you see that unfold? The first time that happened, I was like, oh, see, this is this is the gift of being a child. And it's less about the competition and wanting and being a cheerleader for everybody. I think us adults have it in us, but I think sometimes the competitive edge gets to us to a point. But I think it's all in us. And I think we, we learn to um, either put it aside or forget about it. But the kids can teach us an awful lot. As a mom, how hard is it for you not to jump in and help them out? Oh, my God. I've actually I've had because less is in our ear the whole time. And I said, Les, please let me go in. Please, please, please. No, nope, can't do it. Can't do it. It won't be fair if you go in and help this one and you can't help the other one. So, yeah, can't, can't do, it. do it. I love hearing this, all the behind the scenes stuff, um, just like what you just mentioned. Um, but maybe pull back the curtain a little bit more. Is there something that maybe people watching at home might be surprised to learn about Kids Baking Championship? Well, there is a big culinary crew in the background, too. And oh, my God, the cleanup crew. Oh, my the goodness. Cleanup crew. They just are <laughs> MVP. <freaking> medals. <laughs> MVP of. Oh, my God. So the culinary crew and they have to be really, really careful because the kids have only made one cake or this like each thing that they've made is like it's got to be wrapped in glass, especially if we make it to lunchtime and we can't do a tasting until after. And then during that, they're doing all of the beauties. So the beauties are what uh, there's a whole room set aside with the most beautiful lighting, the most perfected, perfected lighting. And they take whatever the kids have made and put it on this like altar <laughs> and, and just from every angle, make these beautiful um, swing shots and everything that goes around it and make these things look beautiful so the audience at home can see every angle of what the kids made. So the beauty is we have to wait for those before we taste anything. Most of the time, if anything's supposed to be warm, we don't get it warm, which is fine with me. And I just want everyone at home to know that we take that into consideration. Like if something's okay. supposed to be warm, but we're not eating it warm, we don't get any marks off we don't give any marks off for that. We really take into consideration the time spent between baking it and when we eat it. And each kid gets their own producer. Oh, cool. So that there's there's two reasons for that. One reason so that they can um, look up and say, you know, where is something because they're not used to the kitchen. And also just so that they know that they have to play by the rules and there's certain things that they're not allowed to do and, and the producers keep them in line. That's important as well. Um, you know, I you can tell watching you and Duff that you you guys truly are friends like on and off the set. Um, what what are those two hours like? You know, obviously you're you're kind of interjecting, but I'm sure there's some some downtime or maybe not. I don't know. Like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When we first get on the set, it's all about doing the intros and all of that and, and seeing the kids, seeing you know, if it's midway through the production, then it's seeing, you know, who's left. Um, so then once we do that and we give them what they have to bake for the day, then Duff and I go off for a half hour and we have a half hour to just do whatever the heck we want. Usually Duff's getting work done. He's writing a book or I'm doing something else, too. Um, and we have that half hour. And in that half hour, the kids are um, sitting with Les and the culinary producers and they're getting the rules down again. Every day they are told the rules again and again and again. So they know the rules. And then um, about a half hour into it, we come back because there may be 20 minutes into the bake. 
So, and then we come back every, unless there's an emergency, like someone will come get me if I don't have my earpiece in and say, Les needs you, someone's crying. (laughs) So I'll go in, okay, I'll take care of the crying. And Duff usually takes care of the measurements and if the kids are baking something correctly. Gotcha. Um, Also, I'm a sucker for food puns and dad jokes. (laughs) So I really appreciate those little bits. I'm curious, are you coming up with those? Are producers coming up with those? Or is it kind of like a collaboration? It's mainly less and the and the whole production crew in um, the room, in the production room. They're online looking for any pun that they can find. Once in a while, Duff comes off with comes up with a really great one on his own. But no, I'm I'm definitely being fed the puns in guys. I've never been good at puns, but I love I love love when they give me a good pun. Yes. And ha- happily take them and run with them. And absolutely. It's, it's definitely a delight to watch. Um, if there's any kids or parents of kids maybe listening who love to cook, who who watch the show and think, wow, maybe I could do that. What advice would you get them just on how to even go about getting on the show? I would just say bake. Just keep baking and find your specialty. And at some point you will be able to bake your specialty for us. Get the basics down, you know, how, how to bake a cake, how to bake a cupcake, um, how to make pate uh, and how to make macarons. Uh, macarons happen to be, I mean, I'm not crazy about macarons. I love macaroons, but those poor kids, they, they can make some crazy, great macarons and some not so good ones. And that's one of like the hardest things to make. Too. It is. Yeah. It really is. I haven't even attempted it and I don't plan to anytime soon. Nope. Me neither. <laughs> Why would I want to make something I don't want to eat? <laughs> exactly. I, I'm with you on that. I feel like we have a lot in common. Um, yeah. and, and I feel like you have a lot in common with uh, some of these kids. How did, you know, starting so young affect the trajectory of your life, um, starting as a, a not even a teenager, a preteen? You know, I don't know because I, this is all I've ever known. I know that I had a passion for what? For, for wanting to be in front of the camera? I mean, it seems odd that for me to even say that because I'm such an introvert. I know it doesn't seem like it, but um, when I'm not on camera, when I'm not doing this, when I'm not, you know, doing my job, I'm happy home with my six cats and my dog and doing crossword puzzles and not even looking at a camera, not even looking in a mirror. I, I, you know, not having to talk to anybody not you know I enjoy this when I'm doing it like I'm having a great time with you right now good I'm glad (laughs) it's not that I don't like people because I enjoy their company so much it's just I get overwhelmed with it sometimes so I just need my downtime yeah I think I think everybody can can benefit from that and um you're also a mom and in fact as as most of your fans know you are Wolfie's mom on all of your social platforms (laughs) which I think I think that says a lot about obviously your your greatest pride in life how does he feel though about being your your username inspiration i think he uh really loves it really i mean really (laughs) i mean just like any child would be proud that their parents are proud of them and i i am my heart swells uh when i think of how hard of a worker he is how talented he is um i i just i can't wait for people to hear the rest of his album it's just so amazing um and I'm just so, so I just like his dad. I mean, I'm I'm so sad that Ed can't be here to watch everything that's happening for Wolfie because Ed, believe it or not, was even a bigger cheerleader than I am. And I feel like nobody can be a bigger cheerleader than I am for Wolfie. But yeah, Ed had me, you know, he just barely squeaked by me on that one. And I feel like because he knows how difficult it is what Wolfie's doing and the gift that Wolfie has and 
um, Ed was so proud. And I just, it kills me that I can't text Ed and say, you never guess what happened today. And, you know, cause I mean, I have hundreds and hundreds of texts from Ed on my phone and I'll never, ever get rid of them. There's just, um, it's, we were very, very proud of, of what we were able to make with that boy, you know, that he is our biggest gift. Oh, I, I mean, you're making me tear up. Um, no, my dad, my dad was the same. And I think, um, I'm sad that he can't listen to the podcast, actually, because he would be like the first one to listen to it and uh, text me and that kind of thing. And I've lost I didn't realize I lost so many of my text messages with him because my phone was set up in a weird way. So I'm glad that you have all of those. And I'm sorry, I'm getting I'm getting. No, you know, up, but, but that's the deal. That's the deal about love and grief. The thing about grief is that it's that I didn't even realize and I'm so grateful for is that it just that you sit in the love that you had for that person and makes you forget all the bad things, you know, whatever. Cause I had 40 years with them, whatever happened between us. All I remember is the good. And all I remember is how much we loved each other. So, um, that's what I get to carry with me. And it just drives me crazy that I can't text him. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is very beautifully said. And let's talk about, um, your cats, because I'm a cat mom as well. I only have one so far. Did you did you say you have six? Is that is that correct? No judgment. No, Amy. I listen. No, I'm not. My mom. <laughs> I think my mom has four or five. So maybe I'm I'm going to be following in her footsteps. There's as well. nothing wrong with that. If you have the space, then have the cats. I, what I started to do after Dexter left because he was my he was my man. He was my cat. He's still the screensaver on my phone. Um, he he just was my buddy. I just was sobbing and hysterical and I didn't think I would ever get over it. And a friend of mine said, why don't you just foster some kittens then? So I said, that sounds like a perfect job for me. So I did that. And I probably found about homes for about 15 kittens. And somehow I ended up with four of them (laughs) somehow. (laughs) So I'm thinking the numbers is pretty good. So I ended up with four. I still have found homes for 15 or so of them. By the way, people can follow the adventures of your cats, right? On Wolfie's Meow yes. Instagram handle. I have one for my cat as well. So, but he only has 500 followers. You do? Yeah. What's yours? Um, well, his name is Maze uh, after Willie Mays because I used to live in San Francisco and I was covered a lot of sports in my day. So his is um, Maze the Say Hey Cat instead of Say Hey Kid. So I love yeah. it. Yeah. You know, basically, when you go to my Instagram, all I follow are like cats and chefs. So I'll be following. I'll be following me. Okay, thank you. He will love it. He will be very excited. Although he's he needs to up his uh, social game. He hasn't been posting as frequently these days. But uh, that's a story for another time. Uh, well, we are in a new year. We just started a new year, and I know that you have always been such a an inspiration for people, especially women, uh, when it comes to kind of figuring out your relationship with food and your body. I mean, I know I can relate to that. Um, what can you tell us about your personal journey and just how maybe people listening can find that balance for themselves? I have been on a journey for the last few years about um, not making food the enemy any longer. Um, I used to make food the enemy for, for the longest time. Food was how I felt love in my home. This is how we fed each other and, and nurtured each other was with a, a good dish. And, you know, oh, look what I made. Um, do you like it? And then it became because of dieting and I was a spokesperson for seven years for a diet program. It was all about how much can, how much weight can I lose and how can I deprive myself more? And I didn't like that way of life. Ah, sure. I liked the size clothes I was wearing. Um, 
but I was living a life of deprivation. I've decided not to let food be the enemy any longer and or or frame it as an enemy. Food nourishes your body. Um, the word diet first came about because it was the food that you put into your body, the diet that you have to live. Now, diet has become a word about deprivation. Why do we, in a world that is so wackadoodle crazy, why would we want to deprive ourselves anymore? Yes, I want to be healthy. Yes, I don't want to have to buy a bigger size of jeans. I want to try and make sure these jeans that I'm wearing right now stay fitting on me. But that's not how I'm running my life any longer. Um, I have worried about the way I look since I was a young preteen because of the business that I was in. I still worry about it. I'm still embarrassed, you know, if somebody says a horrible comment about what size I am. But I, or even when I look like I look at the last season of Kids Baking, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so big. But you know what? I can't worry about it anymore. Life's too short. If the weight comes off, it comes off. If it doesn't come off, it doesn't. But how do I find my peace, my joy in who I am today in this body? Because this body has gotten me this far. It still got me and it's still running and it still wakes up in the morning and it still walks to the bathroom to brush my teeth. It does everything I need it to do. I have to stop judging it so much. I'm saying these words out loud. Doesn't mean I always listen to them, but I'm, I'm doing my best to really get there and um, treat food as something it is, which is nourishes your body so you can wake up another day. I think those are uh, words that we all need to say out loud a little bit more often. And by the way, bless you for wearing jeans because I've been wearing, you know, yoga pants for at least the last eight months. So, Well, I did that for the first few months, but um, then I realized, oh, these jeans are getting a little tight. And I just, I, yeah, so I got the jeans on again. Well, uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed this, this chat, but um, I do want to ask you one final question that we're kind of asking everybody to, to end the podcast uh, interviews. What would be on the menu for your perfect food day? So breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert. Uh, you can time travel. You can spend however much money you want. It can be a, a chef that you love that can serve it to you. You can cook it. What I mean, there are no rules in this question. Oh, God. Oh, um, I can time travel. Yes, definitely. You can travel to different countries, like, you know, even if, if it would take longer normally to, to get in between each place for, for each meal. I want to pick Mrs. Van Halen's brain on how to make, because um, I make balmy, but I'm telling you, her balmy was just out of this world. Wait, what is balmy? Balmy goreng is this amazing um, stir fry noodle dish made with um, cabbage and pork and ketchup. I, I would love, love, love to time travel and meet my great grandmother and find out how she made her um, gelato that she was able because she made gelato. She was able to save up money and come to America. Aww. It's really it's really about meeting the people and, and hearing the recipes. Like I would love to sit with my noni and watch her make um, capaletti and brodo again, because I, I, I mean, I can make it. It was just that was such a lovely memory. And it's still so strong in my head. Um you know, even though I was probably like six or seven years old. So that meet my great grandmother, make gelato, um, see Mrs. Van Halen again, um, and, and have her teach me, um, how she makes that spicy chicken that Ed loves so much. I love that. I, I love that. I love that the food is, you know, so connected to the people for you because that, that really kind of tells the story of Valerie Bertinelli. And I feel like we, we barely scratched the surface. Um, so we might need a part two down the road, but, uh, 
Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your stories. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. That was lovely. And I knew it would be. Um, I loved hearing about just those special magical moments in her family's basements and, and just the food that came out of those memories and how that's kind of just translated into the rest of her life. She is obviously so connected to food um, and her family, her cats. Uh, I feel like I have a lot in common with her. Maybe maybe I'm on that road to, to having six uh, cats and being the crazy cat lady. But we loved speaking with her. And of course, you can catch Valerie on Kids Baking Championship Mondays at 9, 8 central on Food Network, or you can stream the episodes on Discovery Plus now. And if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the pod. And if you are enjoying it, you know, just drop us a five star rating and review. We don't ask much. Um, That's all for now. We'll catch you foodies next week on Food Network Obsessed.